Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Amadeus was a genius, Beethoven was a dog, the Muppet family Christmas was about a pig and frog. Hi. Today, obviously, we're going to be playing Lacrimosa, designed by Gerard Asanti, or Asenzi and Ferran Rinaldias, developed by David Esbury of the Red Cathedral. I thought that said Bitcoin. Oh, and uh, <laughs> Paris, La Cite de la Lumière. Uh, the artist is Jared Blando of uh, an 1830 game. Cloud Spire, that looks pretty. Um, I don't think we know the other ones. And Enrique Corominas. Corominas. Well, we played Mosaic. Mosaic, yeah. Did we? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. It was memorable. Um, <laughs> published in 2022 by Devere Games. Uh, the description, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is dead. His last <laughs> conscious action on his deathbed uh, was composing the Lacrimosa movement on his Opus Requiem. You, as one of his sponsors, will meet with the widow in order to participate one last time in the funding of the works of the Austrian genius. Also, you will reminisce and retell your memories alongside Mozart in order to make sure that she portrays you uh, under the best light when writing her memoirs in order to enter history as Mozart's most important patron. The mechanics are area majority influence, deck bag pool building, end game bonuses, movement points, and open drafting. And the box art. <laughs> Good luck with this. That's on the double use of in order to there. Um, uh yeah wow um it's okay <laughs> sorry there there's some mic adjustment going on <laughs> so, uh, it's okay. busy uh yeah it's a little busy but it's a it's not like a lot of other things we've seen um we have mozart and he looks not like he's conducting rather than composing no, that's how he writes. That's how he writes? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. It's a slow process. I see. Yeah, it's like a science fiction movie where he just waves his hand in the air and the computers <laughs> put the note on the... We lost that technology after he died, unfortunately. Yeah, he really took that one <laughs> to his grave. Oh. Uh, the color scheme is simple. It's heavy on red and white and black. Lacrimosa looks kind of ominous. <laughs> it, it all looks very ominous. Yeah. They really went uh, with the whole Mozart is dead theme. <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't know a lot about Mozart, but like on the left side underneath his like right arm, there's like a person fighting a giant serpent. But then there's like a woodpecker or something off to the right. I'm sure this is all going to go up in the history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess at the mm, bottom, uh -huh. there's like, I guess they're taking him to the graveyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It definitely looks like a an old timey hearse. Uh -huh. Were they still called hearses when they were horse drawn? Yeah, horse, horse yeah. hearse. A, a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would say this box art um, would definitely jump out at me. Yeah. I don't know that I would pick it up. Yeah. I think I would run in horror. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would pick it up either. Like, I don't know what lacrimosa means. Like, was that just the name of his his band? Well, it said in 
This band, yeah. It's a, it's a Beethoven cover band, Lacrimosa. Oh, yeah, the Lacrimosa movement. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that. I don't know anything about Yeah, I music. assume history is going to cover all this. This is going to be the most important history you've done on this podcast because we don't know yeah. anything. We um, know nothing. I mean, wow. I know I saw a statue of him in Vienna. Um, I know a bit about him, but I guess I don't know anything about his death or his hearse or his horse or the dragon he fights. <laughs> um, uh, he's not the deaf one. Pretty sure that was Beethoven. Correct. Oh, I know about oh, yeah, his, his, the famous woodpecker. Mm, okay. Yeah, everybody knows about that. Oh, That's like grade school. <laughs> uh, BP, would you pull this off a shelf? Yes, I'm the one who picked it out. It sounded, uh, I mean, one, that it's definitely very noticeable art. And then I love the idea of something about composing and classical music. So I will say that that's what I put it on the list because I was like, oh, cool. Like a composer theme, that'll be different. But um, they then lost me with whatever is happening here. Yeah. Wait, just so I'm tracking, that's a no for Eric, a yes for Kate. Um, I think I'm a no, actually. Yeah, I don't think she was a yes. Right. <laughs> she, based right. on the look and terror in um, her eyes. No. Right. I no, wasn't sure. Just, okay. um, I don't think the theme, I don't know, the description sounds kind of cool. But yeah, like finishing it up and I don't know. But um, but yeah, my I think music. I like music, but composing music and the cover aren't really things that would grab me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh boy. How do we think it's played? Okay. Area, majority, influence, deck back, pool building, and game bonuses. We're trying to complete the narrative of his memoirs or write ourselves. It seems like we're going to have different of, we're, we're each going to be one of the sponsors. Yes, we're competing sponsors trying to win over his widow's favor mm-hmm. to write the memoirs. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Lacrimosa comes in. Do we need to finish this thing? Yeah, his requiem. So we got to finish his, his requiem so his wife likes us, so we're written in the memoirs. Um, so what are we pulling out of a bag? Music notes? Yes. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, movement points. Oh, is that like? Oh, is that like a witty like movement points? But it's like a musical movement. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yes, we're gonna. Yeah. So we're gonna have points Did, to move the music. Does it, do any of us read music? Uh, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, long time a long time ago. ago. A while. Back in my elementary school <laughs> where, quarter days. Where, where the hell is Ernesto? Uh, (laughs) open drafting well clearly we're drafting instruments to play the music musical notes to compose yes so we need to put our musical notes on the sheet we need to have the instruments to play it um and then uh we're gonna have points to uh have the movement of the music occur that's when we fight the dragon so so, it's it's going to be a weird add-on section to the game that doesn't quite fit, so but we've got to... End of game bonus. Yeah, like ha- once the music dragon. is half complete, we have to go fight a dragon uh-huh. um, <laughs> with our woodpecker ally. I was going to say, can I just go hang out with a woodpecker? No, no, he's he's there. He's really... He's been slighted by the dragon. 
Um, and we're doing all of this while riding a horse. <laughs> a horse. <laughs> Well, this game sounds ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a good one. All right, uh, tell us what uh, actually anything we've said actually means in the real world. Horses. Yeah, horses. Horses. To start the section off, um, I know you guys were quite young, but back in 1985, there was this song that came out called "Rock Me Amadeus" by Falco. It's quite wonderful. I had the single when I was younger. Can, can we pause just for, for a second? I think we're about to learn nothing about Mozart. No, we will. Okay. <laughs> we will. Right. okay. I thought we were just about to get the history of Falco, yeah. which I'm okay with as well. <laughs> All right, carry on. So um, we're, we're only going to talk about Falco's Rock Me Amadeus that he recorded in 1985. Falco himself was an Austrian musician, and Rock Me Amadeus uh, was a tribute to the composer uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart because the um, movie had just come out uh, recently called Amadeus. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. And it will tell you at least a historical dramatized version of probably dramatized with some fiction thrown in there version of Mozart's life. Uh, it's quite good. Anyway, uh, there are, um, there is a line in the several lines in the song that present several facts. So I'm going to read these facts for you, which give you a little bit of some of the original Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's life. Okay. Yeah. So we're about to learn about Mozart from, from Falco. Falco. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that great? Yes. Okay. I can hear the song going through my head too as these points come out. 1756, Salzburg, January 27th, Wolfgang Amadeus is born. 1761, at the age of five, Amadeus begins composing. 1773, he writes his first piano concerto. 1782, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart marries Constance Weber. 1784, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart becomes a Freemason. 1791, Mozart composes the magic flute. On December 5th of that same year, Mozart dies. 1985, Austrian rock singer Falco records Rock Me Amadeus. There you go. Those are some facts. So, uh, Amadeus, we already know when he was born, was raised, um, like, there were seven kids, only two of them lived past infancy in the family. Obviously, Mozart was one of them. He was the youngest as well. Um, his father, Leopold, schooled him in all of his musical talents. His father was a violinist as well. Um, he grew up in Salzburg, uh, made his way to Vienna as an adult uh, composer when he had various different uh, patrons. Uh, the Emperor Leopold II would become a uh, one of his more um, constant patrons and tried to keep him in Vienna. I'm not going to go into like his full musical history, um, but in 1791, towards the end of his uh, life, in September, he fell ill in Prague for um, 
a premiere of one of his operas, the Clemencia de Tito. Um, it was written for Emperor Leopold's II Coronation Festivals. Um, he continued that and also conducted the Magical Flute on um, the 30th of September. By the way, the Magic Flute just reminds me of the Smurfs because they did a rendition of it. So the 80s in Mozart abound in gloriness. Um, his death began to really deteriorate uh, around November, the end of November, when he became bedridden, um, suffering from swelling, pain and vomiting. And then he died in his home uh, in Vienna in December 1791 at the age of 35. Um, the... There was a journal article that was printed and describes his funeral as, quote, uh, Mozart being interned in a common grave in accordance with contemporary Viennese customs at the St. Mark Cemetery outside the city on 7th December. If, as later reports say, no mourners attended, that too is consistent with Viennese burial customs of the time. Um, so... Uh, there's a lot of dialogue narratives that came out about Mozart's death and kind of dramatizing it, playing it up, that it was a day full of storm and snow. Um, but this journal article is stating that those things were false. It was actually a calm day. It was mild. Common grave just meant he was buried in something uh, that was not an aristocratic grave. Tradition has it during the um, late 18th century that um, common graves, the you were only interred for 10 years and then bodies were uh, interred to reuse the, the plots, right? Because there was only so much land. Aristocracy were buried in tombs, so they were not brought back out. You got to stay there. So it's basically that he was just uh, not a pauper, but not uh, of the nobility. Um, several of his, there were memorials uh, in his name shortly after his death. And um, those were very well attended. And in fact, many biographies written shortly after his death state he became super popular immediately after his death. So the movie kind of makes it play it out like, you know, nobody was his friend at the time of his death. Uh, and the movie itself was actually what the song I sang was quoting. It was an Animaniac yeah. song about famous movies. There you go. Amadeus was a genius. Beethoven, the dog movie, was a dog. The Muppet oh. Family Christmas. There's a whole thing. It's like the hand that rocked the cradle belonged to Hookius. But he got bored, and so they filmed the Adams Family. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know about the bird? Yes. Uh, he had a pet starling. Um, that and starlings have a very good musical sense, and he would teach them. He would compose and then teach them the tune, and then the bird would sing it back to him and correct his mistakes. <laughs> and he would like update based off what the bird did. Cool. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Did he also have a snake that he fought? To I did. I, I was hoping you Googled fighting the snake. So. Oh, no. Yeah. I was looking at because the instruction booklet talks about, and I'm not sure if it's actually true, but it talks about uh, when he died, his wife basically was trying to interview people to finish his requiem. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was the one who did the hiring. And I think I read somewhere that, uh, she was also very short on cash. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to find patrons and essentially, uh, going into the rule section, we are those patrons that are trying to get in good with, uh, the widower Mozart in order to, uh, be basically viewed positively. So we're like retelling our tale of our times with Mozart to be, you know, an important part to his tale so that we are more famous by being associated with Mozart. And the game is going to last five rounds. Uh, And the player with the most points at the end has the most influence on Mozart's career and is the winner. So there's a little bit of time travel in this game in the sense that we're retelling our memories as opposed to like actually being the ones that are like writing it, but we are hiring people as well. So we are patrons. We are not composers. The first player is randomly selected, but perhaps it would be the last to listen to classical music, the last to listen to a piece by Mozart, the last to be able to name a piece of music by Mozart that isn't the Requiem. Damn it. Or the Magic (laughs) or Don Giovanni, or I just also read an article about him, but I also listen to his music quite frequently. If you played me a piece of classical music, I could not tell you if it was Mozart or somebody else. His concertos really are quite notable. And he that for his time, he was really quite, um, I would probably use the word abrasive. In the beginning, some of his concerts were really like disconcerting for his audience, but. All right, BP was way more about classical music. I'm gonna let her go first. <laughs> I think she takes that one. All right, so each round is gonna be made up of two phases. The main phase where players are gonna take uh, one turn at a time for a total of four turns each and the maintenance phase. At the start of the round, players are gonna draw four cards into their hand, except in the first round. uh, So we're gonna draw four cards, sorry. After the first round, we're always gonna have a card left over. So we're not gonna have, so you'll have five cards to start rounds two through five, but you're only gonna have four for round one. Got it. On a player's turn, they will play two cards from their hand. These cards have different actions on the top and bottom half. One card will be played to the experience track at the top of your player board. Thus, you're gonna use the uh, actions at the bottom of the card. And then uh, you'll get to do these actions. That's what you're gonna perform in the turn. The other is to the stories track at the bottom of the player board. Uh, Thus, you're gonna use the actions on the top of the card. And I think that should actually be reversed, but uh, where they will provide story points for the following round. So basically the cards you play, the card you play to the top of your player board is going to be what you do that round. The card you play to the bottom is going to help you for the next round. Okay. You'll then draw back up to four cards after your first and second turn, and you'll pick up your last card on your third turn. So we're all going to have the same cards um, and we have eight cards total. So it's not, we don't have to remember like, oh, take two and then two and then one. It's just going to naturally end up that way. So the actions that you could possibly take, you can document your memories. So you can take a memory card from the main board, pay its cost, discard the story card you played and replace it with the memory. You can commission an opus. Uh, You can take an opus card from the main board, pay its cost, gain victory points and put it on top of your player board. You can perform or sell music. So you can select one of the opus cards you have in front of you uh, if you haven't used it this round and you can perform it, which lets you earn money or you can sell it scoring victory points and then you discard it. Uh, You can travel. 
So you can choose a destination, it may be the one Mozart is in, and travel to it, paying the total cost of the trip. Then pay the cost on the final destination and perform the actions and gain the rewards on that tile. Then remove it. If a royal court tile is selected, it goes to the player while city tiles are left off to the side of the, the main board. And then the last action is Requiem. So you can choose an instant empty instrument space on the main board to commission. Uh, remove the marker and gain the reward in its space. Place the marker on the composer you wish to hire and pay their cost. So there are like four or five different composers in the game. There are two that are recommended for us and it'll be Eibler and Stadler will be the two that were recommended for a first time play. So that's, how we're, that's who we're gonna have. Uh, there are two types of currency in the game. You can, uh, I believe it's ducats, ducats. Uh, you'll pay come up one. before. Yeah, I know. And I feel like when I say Dukat, all I want to think of is Goldicott. Which I think is why we went with that way. Yeah. So, uh, I thought it was Ducats. Ducats? But now it just sounds like I'm saying, fuck it. Uh, okay, so you're going to pay, uh, you can either play uh, Ducats or Story Points. Ducats are money. Story Points are listed in three categories, Mozart's talent, journey, and composition. Cards will require different sets of currency in order to purchase or hire. Once all players have taken their fourth turn in the round, we go to the maintenance phase, return all the Story Point tracks to zero, and then update them based on the icons shown in their, your story section and in, on instrument spaces revealed on your player board. You'll receive money, wild cards, and victory points based on the position of your marker on the finance track. You're gonna gain rewards based on the number of times the action shown on the bonus tile was performed. So there'll be a bonus tile for each round. So it'll be like, hey, you get a bonus if you do this action this turn. So you'll get bonus points for that. Uh, finally, rotate any Opus cards you use back to their normal orientation. And finally, take all cards in the experience story track, shuffle them together, keeping your one card in your hand, and you're ready for the next round. On the main board, the bonus tile is replaced, as well as the cards in the memory card row. First player is then passed to the left. At the end of the fifth round, the game is over. Players will check the conditions of the royal court tiles they obtain for in-game victory points. Each opus and instrument can only be used for one royal court card. The player with the most contributions to each part of the Requiem gains the indicated points, and second most gets fewer points. Players get one victory point for every two story points remaining and one victory point for every three gold cuts. Uh, the player with the most points is the winner. First tiebreaker is the player who contributed most to the Requiem, followed by the player with most Opus cards, and after that, they share the victory. And the best part is, I'm not going to explain that again. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> and those are the rules. <laughs> Let's play. We just finished a game of Lacrimosa. To recap, uh, your Kiwi had 57 um, uh, Opus points. Uh, BP had 73 memory points. I had 74 selling music points. And Kate had 89 uh, music composer guy points. Yeah, a winning strategy. I guess to get the control in the requiem? Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah. Was big points there. Yep. Yeah, I think that's what I was going for. That's it. Yeah. Um, anyone else? 
I'm not sure I had a strategy because whatever it was, it did not work. <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought I was going to get passed by, by Kate coming back around the corner. <laughs> uh, I mean, you had the most end game scoring points probably, but they didn't seem to yeah, be. But- I mean, like five and or seven of them to, for those decrees was not much compared to like that was the cost of me just buying an opus. So. I mean, I tried to do a little bit of everything, um, especially the the round in bonuses. But I mean, I, I, I didn't do terrible. So no uh, theme. Did you feel like uh, Mozart? Well, I think it's important to note we were not Mozart. Do you feel like right. patrons of Mozart who are trying to finish his last unfinished uh, Requiem? And it's also important to note we were not the ones finishing the Requiem. We were hiring somebody else to finish it for him. Yes. But we were also writing the opus, weren't we? No, I think we were we were paying for them, essentially. Like Did you feel else was like writing. a rich person? No. I mean, I didn't have a lot of money for most of the games. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. It is. I mean, I guess thematically it does kind of musically, but I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, you're traveling around Europe, which I guess is what he would be doing. Uh, you're you're buying and you're writing music and selling it, and then you're composing, paying stuff. But I don't know. It's a bit of a it's a bit there. BP's answer of it's very Euro is probably the nicest way to put it. It is very Euro. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like, you could slap on anything, but, I mean, basically, you were trying to do, like, we were using some of the words except for Dracula. Because <laughs> um, he did look like Dracula. It did look like Dracula. Uh, but, I mean, we were just playing a tracker game. I, I mean, I'd say it's a little more, like, thematic than, like, Catan or something. But Yes, I'll agree with that. Uh, table presence? There was a lot... I liked the Requiem part, though, because it at least got colorful. Yeah, I think from a graphic design, like, I think it was nice to look at. I think, um, you know, the, the, the Opus cards, I mean, they were all the same, but they needed to be in order to be like, you know, this is a symphony, this is a string mm-hmm. quartet, uh, not a string quartet, an instrumental or whatever it was. So like those were kind of the same, but at least like the art itself like wasn't ostentatious, but it was like just nice to look at, but it mm-hmm. wasn't something that you would spend time looking at. Right. But when you looked at it, you weren't offended by it, I guess is a way to put it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And there was a lot going on, so you might turn to look at it just because there was so much going on on the, but I could also see that that might be overwhelming. Yeah. I think it was okay. I think that background they put on the virtual thing did not do it any favors because that just made it look busier. Um, but yeah. I feel like without that, it may have it obviously would have looked like a lot because it's a lot. But I don't think it was like too, too much compared to like some other ones we've played. Um, mm, I could agree. Uh, I think it was Coimbra that had like a map like this where like it was just so busy you couldn't make out anything. So I, I think it was like cleaner than that, but. Obviously, it's a lot because there's a lot in the game. Yeah, nothing really did. Yeah, it had a map, which was nice. And I I agree with BP. I liked the the Requiem part. I think it was the best part. That's what I thought the whole game was going to be. Interesting to see it in person. Maybe it would be nicer in person. Uh, Mechanics, Kiwi. 
So I liked the the two cards, right? I had to choose one to play for an action mm-hmm. and choose one that was going to help me for the next round because I it made me kind of plan ahead. And then, you know, when because there was a deck builder aspect to it as well, which I I do enjoy deck builders, where I was able to swap out those cards that I played to the bottom, so the story cards with cards from the deck so i could you know swap out to get ones that were more powerful you know bp found one that was like you could increase your finance level and get a a composition story point and then you also got your action so that idea of you know what do i play is to help me next round and what do i play to do what i need to this round i really like that and then how you swapped out uh, cards from your deck i like that as well because uh, you know most deck builders, you actually have to play a card in order to get things out of your deck. This was just a one for one swap in order to keep that consistent nine cards. Yeah, that, that was my favorite part. Is like it's you always have nine cards, so you're just upgrading. You don't have to do all the other deck builder junk that is just maintenance. So I, I think for for deck but like a game like this where you know it's not a deck builder, but there's a deck building mechanic. Like it's not the whole game. I like this a lot because then you don't have to deal with all the other junk of a deck builder. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not even sure I would describe this as a deck builder. No, no, I, yeah, I was just trying this the other day. Like, there's a deck building mechanic, but it is not a deck builder, which is like Queen of Midnight, where that's the whole game. Uh, I mean, I think other than that, mechanically, it's kind of just a bunch of resources, spending, and stuff like that. I don't think there is anything too crazy. She's thinking. I am thinking there was something interesting at one point, but I've since <laughs> it was, forgotten. It was so long ago. It's lost yeah. the time. It's hours ago. I think again, like just kind of the, the Requiem part, I feel like was more than just resources because that it also added in that area majority control, but it was like an interesting way of doing it, you know, because not only did you have to figure out which composer was going to be, but then you as well in each of the movements of the Requiem. So I don't know. I felt like that was an interesting take on that. Look, I remembered. You also had to get in early too, because if Mm -hmm. you got, if you joined a movement too late you ended up with the lower scoring one yeah. anyway, they also got more expensive yeah yep yeah exactly and i think it, it happened to eric and i, I it, me once i know eric it happened to him once too where we went to go join a movement and we were like i'm doing that and then you re- both realized ah crap we have to go with the lesser one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it was interesting because it was like not traditional area majority right because like you were almost cooperative initially mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just throw it in mechanics because I don't know if it belongs anywhere else. Could have been about three rounds total. Oh. <laughs> um, don't yeah. think it needed to go to five rounds. It was long. It was long. It was, yeah. I think about half of what we played probably would have been okay. Uh, rules? How, well, this is, how, how is it learning the game, everybody? <laughs> Definitely wild. took a couple of rounds, I think. This was... It's definitely a steep learning curve, but I feel like by the time we got through the first round. Yeah, I think for the first couple, like about halfway through the first round, I think we had played all of the actions that we Mm -hmm. could play. So we'd gone through it at least once. And I think at that point, I was no longer going in the rule book for the actions. Right. I was in the rule book for other stuff. Uh, I'll just say iconography did it no favors. 
probably could have learned it twice as quick with more clear iconography. Um, yeah. So like, why, why is like book. a requiem across? Why is yeah, uh, yeah, just stuff like that. Dracula. Yeah, I mean, Dracula actually kind of made the most sense of all of them. But. <laughs> yeah, because in my head, I kept seeing um, it was it's Adam Sandler's uh, opera man character because he also dressed like a like a Phantom of the Opera Dracula esque <laughs> type character. And so that's what I saw in my head every time. So a requiem is a mass. So that's why there would be a cross. You said mass? Yeah, like uh, okay. in the Catholic Church ritual. But why is that right. paying a director to put notes on music? Because you do it, you do it, at, it's part of the music of the ritual of the mass. There you go. A mass for the repose of the souls of the dead. That's exactly, in the Roman. exactly what I felt like yeah. we were doing when we played that action. Mm-hmm. And, and it used in a sentence, a requiem has was held for the dead queen. Mm-hmm. So it's a requiem for Mozart. But again, yeah, why? Just why? I mean, I, I'm not saying it doesn't make perfect sense thematically. It's just uh, you also have to make it make sense to people playing the game who don't have to Google that definition. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew it was a memory part in the sense of... Uh, like tokens of the dead, et cetera. But then now it makes sense with the, the mass parts. Yeah. It could be better, but at sure. least now we understand why. Sure. Uh, Kiwi rule book. I mean, I didn't have, I, I didn't struggle finding the stuff in the rule book. And I think once we read it out loud, like it made sense. Um, so I have no complaints about the, the rule book. Um, I would probably change the way I did the teach. Um, but I'm not, I, right now, like, I can't think of how I would change it if I had to teach it, but I don't think I would do it the way that I did. Uh, I mean, there, there's at least enough actions in the game where if, you know, I say, okay, I'm going to do this, somebody else do something different than me. And then the next person do something different than hasn't been played. And you just play through each of the things. I think there's enough actions where that wouldn't completely screw people over. But I'm not sure if it's the best way to go about it. But it was the best way we had at the time, I think. Uh, player interaction? Um, no. no. Uh, yeah. I did not really pay attention to what anyone else was doing. And it took a long time to come back around. Yeah. Sometimes. Other times, it's well, sped around. To, to I, so yeah, that was the thing. I did, um, if, if you could really... if you. Turn wasn't impacted by what cards and stuff were available. You could plan it out and your turn took like two seconds. Yeah. But if somebody else traveled and then it threw off what you're going to do, then you've got to sit there and think about it for like for a while. And so it all kind of depended on some random board state change. And now you've got to come up with a turn on the fly. Right. That's what was really frustrating for me because I, I hate one knowing that you guys are all waiting for me. And then when I had that one where... Like, I didn't really care about that one cart, whether or not I got it. I hated the fact that I had planned out what I was going to do, and now the plan didn't work. And yep. so... It happened uh, to me a couple of times. Like, the, I mean, yeah, like, usually with the travel, we're like... For, for some reason, the travel disappears when somebody does it, and that's really dumb. Because yeah. then... Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, know. It's supposed to be a one-time use, but yeah, yeah. I gotcha. All right. Uh, would you play it again? Uh, BP. No, I don't think so. As much as I enjoy Mozart, um, 
No. Okay. <laughs> Kate? No. I, yeah, I think I said this for another game recently. It was just like, if you're going to probably use Terminus, like, if you're going to put this much time into the game, it should be more interactive and fun. Yeah. I think, I think my favorite moment was when you said, oh, God, it's my turn again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm no. Again, if it were like three turns and they cut out some of the extraneous stuff and just focused on the Requiem, mm -hmm. but it's too much, too long, and no interaction. So, Yeah, if the game was half as long, I'd say yes, but the game at its current length is a no, so I'm also a no. All right, uh, that was uh, Lacrimosa. So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. We are at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says as he is uh, getting ready to go on stage for... Uh, the Marriage of Figaro. Please don't forget to rate. He's singing this in operatic. I won't torture you with it, though. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. I googled did Mozart fight a dragon. It's unclear. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, the next answer is Tamino's first lines are Zu helfe, zu helfe, sonst bin ich verloren. Der listigen Schlange zum Opfer erkoren. That's always my is. favorite line. I was, I was saying, translated to, oh fuck, there's a big snake, run. <laughs> I was pretty close. Uh, yeah, so if you look at the Opus card, there's kind of two rows. Uh, one row has the Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.